Malachi 1, 1 through 5. The Oracle of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Well, welcome to church. It's a joy to be back with you. I think I'm back with you. Like last week was like an appetizer maybe. We were together a little bit interviewing Coach Rick. But unfortunately, it's just me today, okay? So you just have to, have to bear with me. If we haven't met, uh, if you weren't here last week, then this is our first time. I'm Bronson Stewart. And it's been about seven and a half months uh, so far that our family has been here uh, at part of Cherry Hills. Uh, I have a wonderful wife, Leah. She is loving, if you know her, she is patient and talented and caring. And she has the greatest privilege in the world of being married to me for 14 consecutive years, uh, all in a row. And. Uh, through the two of us, we have two daughters who praise the Lord, uh, look just like their mom and are smart just like their mom, hallelujah, but who love their dad like crazy. And so we are loving life here. I would say by day, by trade maybe, my official job is I serve as the executive pastor here at Cherry Hills. But I have a few hobbies that involve, tend to involve sports. I'm blessed to get to work with the football program across the street at Valor and with the basketball program down the hall here at Cherry Hills. And so just a few weeks ago, we were in the very first game of our girls season. It was a unique road trip. We don't typically get on the bus and go too far. This was about a 40 minute ride. And so we, things were a little chaotic when we got there. And so the game is about to start and my oldest comes up behind the bench and she says, dad, I have a question. I'm like, right now, you, right now. She's got her school iPad and then papers and then a textbook. She's like a disheveled mess, okay? And she's like, dad, it's a, I'm so important. Right as she says that, I hear the whistle tip, the balls tip, the game is starting. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I turn to her and I'm like, sweetie, quick, hurry, what is it? She said, dad, what's one half times three fourths? <laughs> so I, I was like, did you carry the one? Did you remember to carry? She was like, I, uh, so I prayed about it real fast because I was like, I don't, Lord, I don't know what to do here. Uh, they do go to a Christian school, but I, I think this is a spot you'd understand, God. So I just handed her my cell phone and I was like, just use the calculator, honey. Just, just get on with it. I got a game to coach. But we've all had moments, right, where our kids have asked us a question that have stumped us. Praise the Lord, that was the question she chose in that moment. But we've all had that moment. Even as adults, you've had questions where you're like, man, I just don't know the answer to this. As followers of Christ, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, there's been moments where we're like, God, I, I just don't really know. Like, I, I don't know what you're doing right now. Maybe today you're here and you're not a follower of Christ and you have questions. 
and you're walking through and you're saying, man, I'm just trying to make sense of all this. I'm just trying to figure it all out. Today, we start a brand new series through the Old Testament book of Malachi. And we're gonna start today by seeing a really, really hard question. And as we go along, I'm gonna unpack a little bit of my story. You're gonna get to hear just a small piece. And, and I'm gonna throw out a question today that I have a lot of experience asking. And my guess is, it's a question that some of you are very familiar with as well. And the question that we're gonna dig in and see this morning is, does God love me? Does God love us? Does God care about what's going on right now? I don't know the context that might've brought you to ask that question. Perhaps it was following the death of a loved one. God, how could you do that? God, how could you take them from us? Perhaps it was following the ending of a relationship or walking through a nasty divorce, this idea that you thought, man, it was gonna be perfect. Everything was gonna work out. And now God, like, how could you leave us in that situation? God, how could you do that to us? Maybe some of you have walked through a sickness of a child. You've lost a child. You have a child, maybe that's an adult right now that has really gone astray and your heart breaks for them. You say, God, how, how do you love me? How's that fair? Maybe after you lost your job, you ask God, man, what, what's going on here? If you've ever been in that situation today, I got some good news. Not only are we gonna see that question get asked, but we're gonna see that question get answered. And so if you have a Bible or if you have the Cherry Hills app, however you like to follow along, Malachi chapter one, verse one is where we're gonna be. And I want you to think back just a little biblical history here. You've got King Nebuchadnezzar, you have the Babylonians, they invade the Southern kingdom, we call it Judah, and they take over and they rule for a time. Eventually God brings along Cyrus, Cyrus not a follower but he's gonna be used by God in an unbelievable way. He's gonna be the only non-Jewish king to ever reference a Messiah. And it's under Cyrus that we get people that you're really familiar with, Ezra, Nehemiah, they're able to come along and rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall. But now we find ourselves in a spot where it's been about a hundred years since that. And as is the case, the Israelites have just kind of become indifferent. They're no longer excited and enthusiastic about being home. And, and they've just, uh, they're indifferent in their worship. They're indifferent in their obedience to God. And so what God is gonna do is he's gonna send the Old Testament prophet Malachi. That, that word Malachi, the very name means my messenger. And he's gonna send his messenger to deliver very contextually, understand where this falls. Malachi is gonna deliver this prophetic warning and then we're gonna get 400 years of silence. No one's gonna hear from God. No one's gonna see him move. This is a very significant piece. But even though we're gonna look at that question, does God love me? What I wanna make sure that you also understand very clearly is that the love of God is the constant and central message of the Bible. Right, this is gonna be the very last thing focused on here in the Old Testament. And then as we're all very familiar, it's gonna burst onto the scene in an unbelievable way as the very first thing that we see in the New Testament. And so let's begin to read together. Malachi chapter one, verse one. 
It says the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Now, like I, like I always say, if your mom lets you write in your Bibles, this is a good chance to do it, okay? That word oracle, that's a significant word. It's the Hebrew word Massah. And here's why it's significant. Anytime we get an, a prophetic book that begins with oracle, here's what we know. It speaks of a divine revelation communicated through God's spokesperson, in this case, Malachi the prophet, of impending judgment. So just reading that word says, hey, something bad is about to happen. It's like when your mom uses your middle name. You know what I'm talking about? Right? When I was a kid, when mom used my middle name, it was my experience. Maybe your family was different. It's never my experience that that meant mom had cake and ice cream waiting on the table for me. And she just really wanted me to hurry up and come and enjoy it, right? When mom three names you, it's never good, amen? And so with this beginning, the Israelites know God is not happy, okay? They know it's not good. But if we know anything about the Israelites, we also know they have a history of rejecting God's messenger and rejecting God's messages. It's amazing. It's like we see so much in celebrities or we see so much with uh, with athletes, blessed to know a few athletes, a few professional athletes, some of them incredible guys, but there's a handful of guys that I was blessed to know or come alongside or play alongside of, that it is unbelievable how they go from having one understanding as a college athlete, but as they get successful, as they reach the pinnacle, we've all seen it. They begin to surround themselves with people who tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And the Israelites have a situation of this. The Israelites have this, have this history. Second Timothy four, verse three, Paul told this very truth to Timothy. He said, a time is gonna come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance what? To their own desires. And what was true of Israel then is often the case of so many of us today. We see something we don't like and we shut it down, right? Unfollow, block. I don't want anything. I don't want any part of that. I don't want, Gary talked about that just a couple weeks ago. No, I don't want to engage that. You have a friend who comes to you and says, man, God's just burdened me to tell you some difficult truth. And we say, don't, don't tell me that. Don't, don't give me that. The reality is there have to be people in your life who have permission to speak truth into your life. And there have to be people who you've given specific permission to speak truth into your life. And if you're in a situation where you're surrounded by people who only tell you what you wanna hear, you need new friends. It's a very dangerous place to be. And as I just kind of unpack kind of three truths this morning, this is really the first one. That, that I think the reason that we find ourselves in a spot where we even ask the question, does God love me, is because we've rejected biblical truth and we've replaced it with bold lies, right? We've surrounded ourselves with people who just tell us what we wanna hear and we shut out all the people that would tell us what we need to hear. And so we find ourselves in a spot where we would even ask the question, does God love me? Because we've created a life that we've rejected any truth that we didn't like or that we didn't wanna hear and we've substituted it with bold lies. We take things like do what feels right, follow your heart, that's not scriptural, but let's be honest, that sounds a lot better than take up your cross and follow me, right? 
And what we're doing is we're creating a place. We're accepting bits and pieces of the gospel that we like and rejecting the areas that we don't like. I mean, just look around today. This is probably the most pervasive truth of Christianity today. We are living our lives. We are carrying out our lives. We are living out our faith based on what we want and what we crave, not based on what God's word proclaims for us. And what ends up happening is we create this gospel. And when difficulty strikes in our lives, this gospel that we've created over here that's just made up of, of, an, of an encouraging word or a pithy comment, this kind of happy, healthy, wealthy approach to the gospel. Whenever difficulty strikes, we're saying, wait, that's not compatible to this gospel that I've created in my life. And the only logical explanation for it is that God must be mad at me. God must not love me right now. God must be angry with me right now. And that's, a bad place to be. Proverbs 3 verse 11 says, my son, don't reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves or whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, you could say, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So I'm blessed to be the oldest of four. I'm my parents' favorite by far, okay? When I moved their only two grandkids to Tennessee, I was the least favorite, but thankfully my brothers and sisters did enough. I was able to get back to the top, okay? But there were times, apparently I've heard stories, I was a little challenging as a child. You see, I wasn't always a pastor. And there were times, I think as a child, where my parents disciplined me hourly, okay? But do you, you understand if you've been there, I never once questioned my parents' love for me. Even in those seasons where my parents were having to handle tough love, where they were having to really discipline me. Why? Because I saw it in the full context of who my parents were. I saw their discipline, but I also saw what they provided for me and my siblings. I also was able to see how they loved us, how they cared for us, how they nurtured us, how they led us to Christ. And that right there is the danger of choosing the bits and pieces of the gospel that you like and rejecting the bits and pieces of the gospel that you don't. I would say it's the greatest change that I've made since being here. So we replaced our curriculum in our next gen birth through 12th grade. We're now chronologically walking through the Bible in three year chunks. So every three years we'll walk through the Bible again because we want our kids to understand the full scope of the gospel message, not just picking and choosing stories that we just kind of slam together. Because when we end up in a situation where we pick and choose the pieces of the gospel that we like, we miss what? The full body of who God is. We miss the full work of who God is. Is God's discipline fun? No. Is his redirecting painful? Yes. But listen to me, when we receive it instead of reject it, when we receive all that God is, the full message of what he's doing, instead of rejecting the bits and pieces that we don't, God does a work in our lives they simply would not have done otherwise. And we find ourselves in this place. And that's what verse two begins to say. I have loved you, says the Lord. You ever read something in the Bible that you didn't understand? Anybody ever read something that made no sense? Just, okay, just me and Kurt. Okay, it's okay. That's why we have Google. 
But every now and then you read something, you're like, I don't get that. I, I need someone to explain that to me. That doesn't make any sense. And there's a lot of places in scripture to say, hey, that may be hard to follow. Here's the cool part about Malachi. Guess what? That's not very hard to follow, is it? I've loved you, says the Lord. Is he being very direct about how angry he is? Yep, he's come right out. Hey, I'm not happy. I'm gonna discipline you. But he comes right on the hills and he says, but guess what? Don't you dare doubt, doubt my love for you. And if today you're in a space where you're saying, I'm just asking some questions. I'm going through a difficult season. I'm not sure God loves me. I, I, I'm struggling with this. Can I just tell you, if you're unsure how much God loves you, just start reading this book because it's not hidden. And praise the Lord when God comes right out and he's so direct and he says, I've loved you, says the Lord, but you're the ones who've said, how have you loved us? Right, that's that childish response that sometimes we go to. And God says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? How have you loved Jacob? But I have hated Esau and I've made his mountains a desolation and I've, I've appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. And I'm not trying to take all of us back to like third grade Sunday school, but you remember Isaac, he had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And we say it that way, Jacob and Esau, but really it was Esau, then Jacob. And God's reminding them, remember, Esau was due the inheritance. Esau was due the blessing. Esau was due the, the reward. But who got it? You did. And he's saying, remember, I chose you. I picked you. I loved you. And yes, right now, I'm calling you to make some hard changes. I am not happy with your behavior right now but he's drawing their attention back. He says, I've provided for you. I've provided a love that is unmatchable and it is unending. And I think as we really dig into the heart of this passage right here, it is the most significant piece that we have to get. And that's this understanding that our worship of God is tied to our understanding of his love for us. Our, the worship that we pour out is tied to the understanding of how much he loves us, right? When we feel like God is shortchanging us, then it's really easy for us to justify the actions in our life where we are shortchanging him. But for some of you who've walked that road and have had that experience and have said, man, man alive, when I had that moment and I saw all that Jesus Christ had done for me, I had no option but to pour it all out for him. And today, if you think God doesn't love you, if you think God has shortchanged you, then it's gonna have an impact on the amount of worship and love you pour out to him. But when you see that God laid it all out for you, then it's easy to turn around and lay out all out for him. And I wanna be careful here the current difficulties for the Israelites have caused them to miss God's all-consuming love for them. And, and the reason I wanna be careful is I wanna always make sure we are painting you a fair picture. For the last three plus years, I had the privilege of pastoring a church every Sunday as their pastor. And this was something I was always so intentional about because I think sometimes Sometimes we paint a picture that isn't completely true and sometimes we do it on accident, but we have a situation right here where the Israelites are going through a difficult season and they're coming back and they're saying, God, but this isn't fair. Do you not love us? And here's what we often miss. 
Having a relationship with Christ doesn't guarantee us a perfect present. Having a relationship with Christ doesn't take away all the difficulties in this world. Having a relationship with Christ doesn't mean our present moment will be perfect, but it guarantees us a perfect future in eternity with God Almighty. And we have to see that, yeah. Hey, come to Jesus. And I certainly want that for you. But it doesn't guarantee that the present will be perfect, but it does guarantee that one day we will experience a perfect eternity. And what an amazing day that will be. It was July, 2021. Just a little context here. On that July day, I had lunch with Kurt Taylor. Houston, for context purposes, in October, he would be named the pastor here. We've been friends for a long time. It was a great opportunity for us to catch up. Even when I was in Tennessee, we would try to get together for lunches occasionally. And on this particular day, we were having a Bible conference at my church uh, about two hours away, but my dad had a meeting in Houston. And so I decided, hey, I will tag along with my dad and I will grab lunch with Kurt and my dad will go to his meeting and we will drive back together. And in that lunch, Kurt and I just really shared just we were both kind of sensing God was up to something. God was kind of changing a season. I had been pastoring a church that had been a really hard time. God had called us to this church that, that was just a really tough task. It was a really hard work that God had called us to do. He had called us to, to make some really tough changes through a really tough season. And let me just tell you, pastoring through COVID was unbelievably difficult, even in a place like Texas where, where we remained relatively open not knowing what would come, not knowing what would change, not knowing, could I pay my staff? Could we, could we pay the church bills? Like, how's this gonna all play out? There's no one to call. There's no one who's walked through this. It was really wearing on my family. And at that point, through two and a half plus years, it had really drained us. I didn't really know what was next. Kurt was kind of sensing what was next. We just encouraged each other. I drove back with my dad. The next morning I got up and I went to Texas to, to, to Amarillo for a football camp that I lead. And um, as I was driving, I was just so frustrated by some of the things at, at my church and was sharing with my wife, hey, maybe I could bring my dad on staff to help. Maybe some of his biblical wisdom, he's just such a good godly man, was approaching retirement. Little did I know that the next day I would finish football camp and at 3.30, I would get a call from my brother-in-law who was screaming that my dad was gone. My dad had gone for a bike ride. Suffered a sudden medical emergency. And I'll tell you, in that moment, I was so mad at God. I was so mad. I hate that my kids were in the hotel room. I was yelling. I was like, this isn't fair. And over and over I yelled the words, I'm done. I'm done. My wife was trying to console me and my girls were saying, don't blame God. Don't blame God. And I was blaming him. I just endured such a hard season with people, Coach Rick, Coach Rick said it's not personal, it's the position. Yeah, it felt personal for sure. I can relate to that. 
I just remember saying, God, how come these people get to say what they've said about me and my family and they get to stay and you took my dad. He was such an amazing godly man. I remember saying I was done. And I began the process of trying to leave the ministry, find a different job altogether. You see, here's the second reason that I would want to encourage you with this morning. I think the reason we ask those questions like I do is because we become focused on all that God has taken and we miss all that God has given. We become so consumed in the moment with what he's taken from us and we miss all that God is doing. We miss all that's taking place in the moment that for a long time, like, look, I want you to come to know Jesus today so badly. I recognize that life is so short, but I'll tell you this, come to know Jesus. You're still gonna experience heartbreak. You're still gonna experience hurt. You're still gonna experience difficulties, but you're also gonna experience a hope and a peace that one day very, very soon Jesus is coming back and he's gonna redeem it all. And what a glorious day that's gonna be. And let me tell you, I was focused on what God had taken. Let me tell you what God's done on the backside. For eight to 10 weeks, I didn't go back to my church. I didn't preach, I didn't step foot in the church. I still, even when I returned to preaching, I couldn't go in my office because my dad had helped at VBS and I remember seeing him napping in in my office. It was hard. But on the backside, I got to do an event with a different college football coach. I shared my dad's testimony. I saw 15 high school football players give their life to Jesus that night. On the backside of God taking away my dad, I get to work every day with a friend right beside each other. On the backside of God taking my dad, my kids are in a school now where they are thriving for the very first time of having moved them around in ministry so much. And now they're in a space where they're thriving. And on the backside of God taking my dad, worship in here was awesome this morning, amen? Hey, but listen to this. We worshiped a living God while my dad worshiped in the presence of a living God today. Come on now. That's an incredible work. And so I can't focus on what God has taken. I've got to see all that he's given. He says, though Edom says we've been beaten down, we will return and we'll build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts. He says, you see, the reason you're questioning that is because you think I'm the God of some things at some times. The reality is I'm the God of all things at all times. That word host is the word Sava. He's the God of armies of angels. He's the God of the moon and the stars. He's the God of all of creation. And right now, listen, life may not make sense for you. You too may be hurting. You too may be broken. It may not be putting together. The Israelites aren't seeing God's promises happening, but the circumstances of your present have no bearing on God's promises for the future. Only God does. Circumstances right now may be hard, but that does not mean God has abandoned you. That does not mean God has changed his ways. And he goes on to say, they may build, but I will tear down. Men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. And your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Hey, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I think it's completely natural 
in our flesh to come and question God. That's, that's a natural fleshly response. God, I don't understand this. And I did that plenty. We owned a home in Texas with acreage. Imagine that. And we sold it for a whole lot less than it cost to live here. And we bought into a neighborhood that we couldn't afford. And we left all of our friends. We moved 16 hours away from my mom who was now a widow. And people kept saying, Bronson, God's got this. Bronson, God's got this. And I was like, I know he's got this, but I'm just a C student. I'm not sure why he's testing me so much. (laughs) It's not a good plan. But you see, when we run to him and we grab him and we hold on to him, We're gonna have moments in our flesh where we worry and we struggle to believe that God is fair and that he's right. That's thinking this can't be part of his plan. This can't make sense. This makes no sense, God. But he's faithful time and time again. As the prophet Isaiah says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Can I just encourage you maybe this morning that you wouldn't run from that today, even if you're really struggling, but rather you would rest in that today. That people, I think they were well-meaning, they would come and they would say, God's got a plan, this is all part of God's plan. That would just make me wanna know the whole plan, you know? And I came to a spot where I understood even if God showed up right here in our presence and he mapped out the whole plan for you and for your situation, you wanna know the truth? You probably couldn't understand it anyways, right? Why? Because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. In Romans 11, let's end with this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? By the way, the answer is no one. Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, amen. You might have questions today, but you need not question if God is gonna love you through it. And the simple truth that I will leave you with is that when I look at the depth of God's grace, when I look at the depth of God's love, it leaves me with no choice but to trust him. Is life hard? Is life difficult? Yeah, I wanna know the answers for sure. But you know what I don't want? I don't want a God I'm smarter than. I don't wanna put my whole hope in a God that I have to constantly second guess. Is this really the best thing? I had the world's greatest earthly father, but I have a perfect heavenly father whose love for me is unstoppable and it's unmatchable. And maybe today you weren't blessed with a dad like me. Maybe today understanding the love of God is hard for you because you've never really experienced earthly love that you can even come close to comparing it to. Maybe it is easy because when you look at the love of God, you're able to see God gave you incredible Christian parents who loved you so well. Let me just tell you this, whatever your situation, wherever you're at today, guess what? He's right there and his love is waiting for you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for your grace that is sufficient for your peace, your understanding. 
Jesus, how I love you. I'm so grateful that you are enough. That on the hardest days, you're enough. And I need not question if you love me because you laid down your son's life for me. And I pray for this one in this room who's wrestling with that. I pray for the one who's watched their child walk away from the faith. I pray for the one who just received an awful diagnosis from a doctor. I pray for the one who says, I don't know how we'll afford it. I don't know how it's all gonna come together. Father, I pray that in the depth of their questions, they would see your overwhelming love and they would rest in that. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you that it's enough. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen.